transformation in somebody's life. In Jesus' name, have we prayed with thanksgiving. Amen. Shall I put our hands together for the Lord? Oh, the clap is a very weak one. I said, can we put our hands together for the Lord? Hallelujah. Amen. We bless God for this morning. Oh, you can take your seats. You can take your seats. Hallelujah. How many of you are glad to be in church today? Yeah. Tell the one seated next to you, you are blessed to be in church today. Tell another person, you are blessed to be in church today. Yeah. Because, you know, in Ghana, when it rains like this, you no, know, then it's holiday. <laughs> and as you can see, there are empty chairs. That means some people are sleeping. But mercy for all of us. Amen. Great. So today, I'll be bringing you the word of God. And because of the, the rain and things, things delayed a bit in the start. So if we go beyond the time, we are just making up the time. Hallelujah. Uh, we are not in a hurry to go anywhere, except those who are on duty. Uh, when their time reaches, they will leave us and, and go to work. But the rest of us, we are here till the end. Hallelujah. Yeah. How many of you had a prayer meeting yesterday? Prayer meeting. So, if you didn't come, then uh, you are seeing yourself. Amen. Yeah, the prayer meetings are not for a selected few. Amen. It's a church prayer meeting. And uh, everybody should make it a point to come. And yesterday, I made an announcement to them that, um, you see, Ezra 8.21 says, By the Ahava Canal, I declared a fast. Hallelujah. So I am declaring a fast. Hallelujah. Yes. We are going to go on a fast. Amen. Yeah. And it's a 14-day fast. Somebody say 14-day. Yeah. In other words, it's a two-week fast. Amen. Yeah. We need to, you know, from time to time, you need to refuel. You need to, to fill up your tank once again. And um, we are going to be fasting from Monday. And on Friday, we are going to have uh, the next in our series of our prayer and worship services. Amen. So we're going to have a prayer and worship service here Friday night. All right. And during the fasting time, and Monday, that means tomorrow. When I say Monday, I'm, I don't mean. <laughs> I was telling them yesterday that, you see, as mature believers, eh, you should even wake up in the morning getting ready to eat breakfast. And when a, fa- a fast is declared, you should be able to put the breakfast away and fast. Because we are like soldiers. When you go to the military barracks, soldiers have their shoes polished by their bed all the time. Ready in case they blow the alarm. They just put their feet inside and they are moving. Alright? So tomorrow, we are starting the fast tomorrow. And we are ending in two weeks time. And what it means is that for the entire two week period, every single day, we will be meeting in this place to pray. From 7pm to 8pm. Amen. Yeah, and I told them that during this fast, you must be each other's keeper. Ask your brother, are you fasting? Are you sure you are fasting? The way I can see your mouth, it's as if some oats <laughs> has crossed <laughs> your vocal cavity. You know, but let's, 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 let's do this. On a daily basis, you'll be given the, the prayer focus, all right, for the day. Let's fast. Let us pray. Let us build ourselves. And you know, periods of fasting and praying in the church are, are also times for bonding, all right? It's important for us to go on this fast too because, you know, now we are, we are a young church. We just began and we are trying to form our subgroups and the various ministries and all of that. Our choir has now formed itself. 
our organizing team, evangelism team, and all that. We need to pray, all right? We need to pray. At different points in time, I'll commission these various ministries, all right? And commission you, those who have signed up to be in those ministries, so that you realize that this thing is not like, oh, uh, me too, I'm just writing my name song. It is a ministry. So once you are in a ministry, you are a minister. Hallelujah. Yes, so I'll pray for everybody who is in the ministry for God to enable you to carry out your duties well. Alright, so take note of it. We'll be praying every day, 7 to 8, in this very place. And then a week today, we'll have our next communion service. Amen. And then God willing, the following Friday, that is the last Friday of the fasting period, we are going to have our very first half night. Amen. Very first half night. We'll come here and praise ah, non-stop till the following day. Amen. All right, so take note of these announcements. Now, you all know we've been carrying out a series on, on, on spiritual growth. And um, I spent about two-thirds of the month of September on the issue of the word, the issue of the word. And I'm trusting God that it's sunk in well. And now when you take your Bibles, uh, you are looking at it from a different angle. Amen. With the, the tools that we were given to uh, help us in our Bible studies and, you know, all those things about the way. And then I started a mini-series within the series on the issue of the Christian in the contemporary world. Um, I think, la was it last week that I dealt with? No, last two weeks. Last two Sundays, I dealt with the Christian and music. Last Sunday, I dealt with the Christian and entertainment stroke, social media. And um, today, I'm going to deal with two subjects in one. I mean, hopefully, I'll be able to do both <clears throat> within the, the same time. And, you know, these things, and I was teaching you about the word. And I talked about the fact that the word has been likened in the Bible to a seed. The whole idea is that when a seed is planted in you, it is supposed to germinate. It's supposed to bear fruits. But the bearing of the fruit of the seed is not the end of the cycle of the seed. At the end of a day, after the seed has germinated, is grown, and it has borne fruit, it is also expected to yield more seed that can also be planted. Amen. That means the word that you receive, at the end of a day, you should also be able to plant it into somebody that's what the bible says by now you should be teachers of the word but you still require that you are taught amen so when you come to church and the word is coming you shouldn't have the attitude of um you are only blessed by the word if it is speaking to you okay you can receive the word and you can go and speak into somebody's life you understand what i'm saying for some people, church is only powerful if the word that was spoken is like it took something inside them. It break them in a way. Or it was addressing a situation in their life. That is the only time you consider the word to have been powerful. But you receive everywhere. When you have the attitude of receiving so that you can also teach somebody in case an argument comes up, you realize that you enjoy every sermon that is preached. Amen. Whether it is on, what do you call it? 
adultery. Or, some people, they, they don't commit adultery. They don't fornicate. So when they are talking about fornicate, oh, it's for them. Speak to them. Speak to them. Speak to them. But you may be learning another way of presenting the message to somebody. Amen. All right. So when we talk about these things about the Christian and the contemporary world, maybe we'll talk about a particular one that doesn't really apply to you. Christian and music, oh, media, I don't even do this shatawali, shatawali thing. So it's not a problem for me. Or social media, you are not even on Facebook. So it's not an issue for you. But listen to it because these are things that come up even on social media and stuff like that. You can give your contributions as a Christian. Amen. So today, I'm going to deal with two things. I'm going to start with the Christian and alcohol. All right? The Christian and alcohol. And then I'm going to follow up with the Christian and fashion. Okay? The Christian and fashion. The Christian and alcohol. And then the Christian and fashion. Right? Um, I had to give that preamble of you not receiving the word and getting excited about it because it applies to you. Because... I know most of you here, you don't drink alcohol. So don't switch off. <laughs> because what I'm going to say maybe does not apply to you. All right? But we need, even though you probably don't drink, you may not, you may not have enough reason. If somebody asks you why, you may not even be able to tell the person why you don't drink and stuff like that. So this sermon is going to help you to advance arguments for and against or whatever. I'm not coming to promote that one I can tell. I won't promote. I'm not coming to promote drinking. This one I said disclaimer. <laughs> I'm making. I'm not going to promote the drinking of alcohol in this sermon. All right. So the Christian and alcohol. It's one of the longest-standing debates in Christianity from time immemorial. Theologians have debated this severally. Are Christians supposed to drink? Can a Christian drink alcohol? Some people even ask, what percentage? of alcohol is permissible for a believer and I mean people have scriptural what do you call it scriptural references to advance certain points and all of that but just as I told you when I started this series on the Christian and the contemporary world the the core scripture is still 1st Corinthians chapter 6 verse 12 1st Corinthians chapter 6 verse 12 by now, you should be able to quote it. But you put it on the board for us, on the, on the projector for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. And this is the Apostle Paul speaking. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. Or somebody will quote it. By now, you should know it. Any volunteer to give us a okay. Hey, Ezra has passed too. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter six. Don't worry, it's retreating the fact that we are fasting. Amen. First Corinthians chapter six, verse twelve. It said, "All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient." Where expedient means profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any this should still be our basis for anything we do in the contemporary world anything we do as believers it should be the scripture that all things are lawful unto me but all things are not expedient all things are lawful for me but i will not be brought under the power of any now normally the argument is that the Bible doesn't explicitly say, thou shalt not drink. 
most of the time that's that's that is the argument and it's the truth you won't find it anywhere in the bible written that if you drink alcohol you are going to go to hell some people will tell you that even the king cake that we eat there is alcohol inside so what is the argument yes it is true you will not find it anywhere in the bible that you should not drink what the bible speaks explicitly against is drunkenness getting drunk the bible talks plainly about it that we are not supposed to get drunk but when you look at the bible and its posture towards issues relating to alcohol you can get a fair idea of where the drift is towards i mean there are several scriptures relating to wine or alcohol and most of them don't talk about alcohol in a positive light in fact i'm yet to see any scripture that actually glorifies alcohol all right most of the scriptures speak of alcohol in a negative light let's look at proverbs chapter 20 verse 1 proverbs chapter 20 verse 1 proverbs chapter 20 verse 1 Proverbs chapter 20 verse 1. It says, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is what? Not wise. I mean, this is just one of many scriptures that don't speak about wine or alcohol in a positive light now those who have advanced the argument for drinking one of the the scriptures that they use is first timothy chapter 5 verse 23 first timothy chapter 5 verse 23 let's go to first timothy chapter 5 verse 23 is that no first timothy 5 23 Now, this is Paul speaking to his spiritual son, Timothy. So he says, Drink no longer water, <laughs> but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thy often infirmities. Infirmities is like sickness. All right? So a lot of people use this as the argument that even Paul, as spiritual as he is, told his spiritual son, Timothy, that because of your stomach problem that stomach problem that you have drink a little wine <laughs> but you see it is important as i taught you when i was giving you the, the the bit on the word that sometimes it's important to go to the original words that were used i mentioned the fact that the old testament was written in hebrew and a few parts or or, or yeah some parts in aramaic and the New Testament was written in Greek. All right. Now, the Greek word for the wine he's using here is the word oinos. O-I-N-O-S. Oinos. Oinos. All right. And the word oinos is used as a general term for wine. Okay. We all know that when it comes to wine, we have 
the alcoholic wine and the non-alcoholic wine. Okay? In the Hebrew, at the last, it bited like a serpent and stinged like an adder. Next. Thine eyes shall behold strange women and thine heart shall utter perverse things. It's giving us effects of wine. The strange woman has come again. No? Strange woman has appeared again. Let's go back to the, the 29. Who had woe? Who had sorrow? Who had contentions? These are some of it. You become contentious. You know, some people, when they drink, they like to fight. They'll come, insult everybody. You know, people who are usually not like that, content, they become contentious. Who had babbling? They speak anything that comes out of their mouth. Sometimes it's even things you can't comprehend. They say all sorts of things. All sorts of things. Do all sorts of things. There's this drunkard I knew when we were small. When this guy wakes up in the morning and he drinks, you know what you do? The electricity poles in the neighborhood, he'll line them up from morning and he'll take a cane and he will lash all of them one by one. When he finishes, you start from the back again. When he stands there, he holds the same. Woko school. <laughs> he will lash all of them. <laughs> Effects of wine, you know. And, you know, the Bible says, be not drunk with wine, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. That means there are some similarities between the effects of wine and the effects of the Holy Spirit. All right? It's talking about babblings. Babblings. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you begin to babble. You begin to speak in the language of us. You speak mysteries unto God. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> you begin to speak mysteries unto God. And it's saying that those who have these effects of the wine are those who tarry long. That means in the same way to, if you want to experience the effects of the Holy Spirit, you must be somebody who is ready to tarry long in the presence of God. Yeah. You must drink and drink. That's why when you come to church, you mustn't be in a hurry to go. You must tarry long. That is when you feel the effects of the Holy Spirit. So these are some of the physical effects of the Holy Spirit. Disturb coordination, all of, oops, sorry, of, of wine. Disturb coordination. The fifth one, drowsiness. Number six, toxic substances called formaldehydes. And they can destroy the liver, they can destroy the kidney, they can destroy the brain, they can destroy the heart. That's why we have alcoholic cardiomyopathy. You have liver problems. It's all because formaldehydes have been formed. And they are giving problems to your, what do you call it? So that is the third reason. It destroys the body. It is addictive. So what I gave you were effects of alcohol in the body. It is addictive. As I've told you, some people, if you go and try it, you'll just become addicted to it. All right. And for me, the fifth reason, which is the last reason I'm giving you why you should avoid alcohol, is threefold. There are three groups of people in the Bible that, or even in the Old Testament, they are told clearly, as for you, don't drink alcohol. All right. The first group, are the people we call the Nazarites. Somebody say the Nazarite. Who are these Nazarites? They are special people that are specially set apart for God. Samson was one of them. John the Baptist was one of them. They are, they are, they are, they are special people. People that have been set aside for God for 
particular assignments. All right. And Nazarites were told not to drink alcohol. That one you can find it in Numbers chapter 6 verse 3. Later you can go and read it. And then another group of people are the priests. Everybody say the priests. You can find that in Leviticus chapter 10 verse 9. Priests. So Nazarites, the priests. The priests were not supposed to drink alcohol when they were on duty. Okay? When they are performing their duties. And when I was dealing with the series on prayer, I told you that the order of the priesthood has changed. Now you and I are also priests. And now priesthood, we are on duty every day. Because the Bible says, enter boldly into the throne room of God. If you have prayed this morning, or you've even prayed in this meeting, it is a priestly duty you are carrying out. Alright? And the priests were told that when they are carrying out their duties, they should not drink alcohol. The third group are kings and princes or in other words royals let's read proverbs chapter 31 verse 4 that one let's read it proverbs chapter 31 verse 4 proverbs chapter 31 verse 4 is that it is not for kings O Lemuel it is not for kings to drink wine nor for princes strong drink the next, the next verse will give you the reason. Lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. Let's go back to the four. So he mentions princes and kings. The word kings there, the Hebrew is the word melech. M-E-L-E-C-H. Melech. Which translates into royal. Okay? So royals. Those who have royalty. They are being advised not to drink. So, who are the three groups that I've mentioned? Nazarites, priests, royals. Nazarites, they are special people. Priests, and then royals. Alright? Now, let me submit to you that the born again Christian is all of these three in one. You are a Nazarite, you are a priest, you are a royal. Let's read 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It summarizes everything, puts everything together. And that is my last point on the alcohol business. Now I'll move on to fashion. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Nazarites were peculiar people chosen, set aside. Talks about a royal priesthood. So the Melech comes in here, royal, and we are priests. So the born again Christian is a priest, is a Nazarite, and is a royal. So if the priest wasn't supposed to drink on duty, the Nazarite wasn't supposed to drink, and the royals were not supposed to drink, then the born again Christian, being all three in one, you too don't drink. Hallelujah. For me, that is the conclusion of the matter. Hallelujah. Yeah. Let's move on to the issue of the Christian and fashion. Christian and fashion. Now, when it comes to dressing, fashion, things like that, there are certain controversies. There may have been certain things that you have read and you've been wondering for some time. One of them is actually... The issue of women covering their heads. Say so you've heard that one. 
women covering their heads. Don't worry, I'm not coming to say from now on, every lady put on duku. No, I'm not going to say that. You see, the, the issue of women covering their, sorry, covering their heads came up in the church at Corinth. All right. Now, I mentioned to you when I was talking about, when I was teaching you about the word, that to understand scriptures well, you need to look at the scripture in context. Sometimes you need to look at the cultural background. You need to look at the cultural context in which the statement was made. Now, this was a situation where Paul was trying to liken or trying to, 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 to draw a certain hierarchy. He talked about the fact that the woman's head is a husband, the husband's head is Christ, and Christ's head is God. Alright? So, he was establishing a certain chain of command. And he mentioned that the woman must cover her head. Now, the summary of that whole thing is that what you was trying to, what you was trying to say was that as a sign and in fact it is wives that he said if you go back to that scripture there's no time for us to really read everything but he mentioned wives okay wives that they should cover their head and it's supposed to be a sign of submission under the authority of their husband okay in Corinth if you read the history well those days as part of their culture Women covered their heads as a symbol of the fact that they have submitted under a man, the authority of a man. Okay? You see, Paul made a certain statement. He said, for the Jew, I become a Jew. For whoever I become... It's like when he was bringing out some of these things, he was taking into consideration the cultures and the practices of the people. So in Corinth... If a woman had her head uncovered, it was a sign of not being submissive under a man. In our time, the, whether you wear headgear or not, somebody can wear headgear and slap the husband and insult the husband. You understand? It was all supposed to be a sign of submission to a man. Simple. It doesn't apply in our culture. It doesn't apply in our culture. So we are not bound to it. Paul himself said, when he gets to the Jews, he becomes a Jew. When he gets to the Gentiles, he becomes a Gentile. So that he might win some. Sometimes you modify the thing to suit the, the cultural practices there. So that the people will understand and appreciate the word of God better. Okay? So in our era, this thing about covering your head doesn't really matter. It was a specific thing to the people of Corinth because in their culture, covering the head was a symbol of submission under a man. Simple. And in our culture, that is not it. There's nothing like that. So you can feel free to bring your head to church. If you want to cover it, fine. You have some nice cafe. You want to come and display it. That one is between you and God. Amen. So that is the first thing. The other thing I want to address is something written in... Um, you know, this, this idea about women not wearing men's clothing. How many of you have heard that? Yeah. A woman should not wear men's clothing. That one we find it in Deuteronomy 22.5. Let's see Deuteronomy 22.5. Deuteronomy 22.5. And this thing has been taken in, out of context. Alright. He said the woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man. Neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all that do so are an abomination unto the Lord. 
So people interpreted that if you're a woman and you wear trousers, you have sinned. If you wear shorts, you have sinned. Because we recognize trousers and shorts as men's clothing. Now, this one too, you need to look at it in terms of the culture of the people and the times. God was trying to warn them against some of the practices of the Canaanites then. They were going to go into the land of the Canaanites. He was trying to protect them from some of the practices of the Canaanites. Now, the people in Canaan at that time, it's like the practice of transversitism. When you say somebody is a transversite, you understand? Cross dresses, men who dress as women and women who dress as men. It was rife in the land of Canaan then. So those demons, it's not like they now came and now they are entering Americans and things like that and men are dressing as women and women are dressing as men. It, those things started just like homosexuality and all those things. They started a long time ago. And that practice was very rife in the land of Canaan. They used to practice it. And it was also part of the worship of some of their foreign gods. Asherah, Astarte. As part of the worship of these gods, people did cross-dressing as part of worshipping them. There are some of the gods that are females. So they'll say, you the male, if you are going to worship the god, you must dress like a female. So they change their clothes. Wear clothes of females. Try to look like females. Aside the whole cross-dressing thing, that, that, that practice of, of, of cross-dressing, it was also part of their worship of certain gods. And this was what God was trying to warn them about. You see, this thing, for Chinese, for example, trousers are considered as women's clothes. So if you go to China and you go and place this thing, what, what, what are you trying to say? All right? So this particular one was specific for the people because of where they were going and some of the challenges they were going to face. Okay? But even now, people can argue that, okay, if it comes to jeans, there are women's jeans. And men's, the women's jeans are cut differently from those of men. Even t-shirts, they cut the women's own differently from men's. Own. So that argument has no place. It has no stance in our modern day context. Are you getting my point? All right. The third thing I want to deal with is found in 1 Timothy chapter 2, 9 to 10. 1 Timothy chapter 2, 9 to 10. Let's read it from the NIV. Paul was addressing the issue of fashion, dressing, generally. He said, in like manner also, let's, let's go to NIV. He said, I also want women to dress modestly, with decency and propriety, not with what? Relax, relax, relax. <laughs> Not with braided hair or gold or pearls or expensive clothes. Next verse. But with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. You know, some people stand on this and say it is evil to braid your hair. It is a sin. Because you let's go back to it. I mean, it, it, it seems quite clear. It seems quite clear. Let's go back to the nine. I want women to dress modestly with decency and propriety. Not with braided hair or gold. 
How many of you have braided hair? How many of you have gold? Apostle Paul is bringing a king for you. Or expensive clothes. Alright? Now, this scripture has to be understood in context. He is not saying women should not braid their hair. He's not saying women should not wear gold. Okay? What he was trying to say is that, one, he established the fact that there should be modesty. There should be modesty in the dressing. Modesty in the sense that, one, if you dress, you must dress with decency. Okay? You must dress with decency. And two, you mustn't dress such that you attract all attention to yourself. Some people, when they, are, when they are going somewhere, that's the whole idea. That Charlie, I want to turn heads. So from makeup to everything, it's like you see the person and you want to look twice because the person is looking different. But that is not modesty. He's saying we should be modest. Meaning, we shouldn't dress to attract attention. We shouldn't dress to be seductive. Okay? And then, he goes on to say, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or expensive clothes. Now, he wasn't singling these things out as examples of not being modest in your dressing. Okay? What he was trying to say was that you should rather look at inner beauty rather than placing premium on these outward things. So he just picked these as examples. Braided hair, uh, gold or pearls or expensive clothes. He didn't mean it literally that don't do braided hair, don't wear uh, pearls, don't wear gold. If we were taking this literally, let's go to the 10. If we were taking this literally, let's go to the best 10. He said, but with good deeds. If you are taking it literally, that means don't wear gold, don't braid your hair, don't wear pearls. But wear good deeds. Which clothing line is that one? Good deeds. If we're going to take it literally, that means we'll all come to church without clothes. But I don't know which tailor shows good deeds. <laughs> Are you getting my point? That is why we can't take this scripture literally. It can't be literal. It's just trying to use those ones as examples. That your inner beauty should be more important to you than the gold and the things. You see, braids in those days, white people don't usually braid. Braiding a white person's hair is a different ballgame altogether. And those days, the Greeks and the Romans, when they say they are braiding their hair, it's not these small, small things that we do. I think I have some pictures. And let me show you. They were very complex things. That took time. Sometimes even days. Okay? This is a picture of it's a statue that was in those days. And you can see the hair. This braids, how many days is it going to take for you to be able to get this one done? Alright? Show me, give me the next picture. They were doing very, very complex things. Next picture. You see some of these things that they do. And braiding a white person's hair is very difficult. What he's trying to say is that the time and the skill and the energy and things you use to try and adorn yourself, to come to the presence of God, use it to rather work on your, your, your inner self, your deeds. Put on the good deeds. 
and don't waste too much time energy and money that's why it says expensive clothes on some of these things it's not saying if you buy a, a dress that is expensive you have seen if you have the money to buy in fact expensive is relative it depends on your pocket if you're earning 10 cities a month even if the dress is 50 weight, it will be expensive for you so there's no definition for what expensive is all right but don't overspend on clothes sometimes women impulse impulse buying you've not planned you see that thing hey this is, this is uh, you even do calculations no Charlie let me buy this and let me buy I felt it inside me that this thing they have to buy impulse buy jewelry you see hey <laughs> I have to buy that is what he is warning against for some people things like makeup can become an idol if somebody wakes up this morning and realizes that hey my eyeshadow is finished no church because you don't want us to see you without the shadow <laughs> the shadow of your eyes there are people who are so addicted to makeup that they can't come out of their room when they've not made up it's like it's become an obsession when you look call, call, call early in the morning wait for me give me one minute one minute to turn into 10 minutes yes it's because they don't love themselves as god created them those are the things he's talking about when because of makeup you come to church late because you spend 45 minutes polishing your face and changing the color of your lipstick because oh it didn't match with my shoe or my earring no 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 clean it Mary Kay and Mary Y and whatever Pons and Medalla Oblongata <laughs> you wear everything so <laughs> that is what he's talking against why because you have Put on makeup. You come to church. We are singing the worship. The thing has entered your heart. Tears want to come. But Charlie, makeup never say. The Mary Kay will become Mary White. So instead of lifting up your hands and allowing the tears to flow, you take your handkerchief. They call it dabbing. <laughs> Nowadays, when you are doing ministration, you are laying hands. You have to be careful though. Some of them, they're claws. It's like claws. They're, they're nailed. This is like claws. When the Holy Spirit says, that I've been scratched so many times. They'll hold your hand and realize these are not, they are claws. They try claws. One man of God said he was ministering to somebody. He laid the hands on the person's head and the person moved the head. And there was a wig left in his hand. In fact, for a moment, he thought the person's head... <laughs> So fast, fast, looking for the wig to put on. Hey, I do it in so. There was a head. He thought the head had come off. Before he realized that, hey, this one is just a wig. Suddenly, the person who was under the power is like a titty. This one, hey, it was some cornrow. Normally, <laughs> I covered the thing with cornrow. Hey. <laughs> It's not bad to enhance your beauty. Okay? Everybody has enhanced your beauty one way. Even if you comb your hair, you have enhanced your beauty. So there's nothing wrong with enhancing your beauty. But 
don't come under the power of these things. Don't come under the power of these things. We become so addicted to clothes. Every week you must buy something new. Some people have this mentality. I can't wear the same thing to the same place twice. Hey! You think somebody is marking what clothes you wore? I said, that's why we men, they're simple. Look, this suit, you can wear it with different shirts. You know, do you even know that is, is, is the same suit that I'm wearing? Ah, a woman, you are very conscious. Hey, shoot, this, that, 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 that. But it's, it comes with the territory. Amen. Right. Some people argue that you are not supposed to wear jewelry because of this scripture. It's not true. God is not against gold, God is not against pearls. When I was doing music and I read how God made Satan, he made Lucifer. He adorned him with pearls. Adorned him. God is not against gold at all. In fact, Jesus Christ, when he appeared to John on the island of Patmos, the Bible said he had a gold sash. So right now he cries wearing gold necklace. He can't be against gold. He can't be against pearls. He can't be against precious things. But at the end of the day, it's all about modesty. If every finger has five rings, and you are looking like a Santini, <laughs> and your hand is so heavy you can't even lift it up to worship God, then it's a problem. It's a problem. My wedding ring finish, right? Especially in this day and age, too, where if you are ministering and you do ministration of the Spirit, you prophesy. You cast out demons, and then first thing people will start looking at is he wearing some strange ring? Uh huh, that is where the power is coming from. This thing, yes, we knew it, we knew it. So, me sometimes I advise people look, don't add controversy to your ministry by putting on some strange ring. If you have a wedding ring, put it on. Simple, you go and add some big, funny looking ring, especially when you are ministering, uh, and by some instincts, you are rubbing it. Uh huh. He is invoking the spirits. They are the ones that have been telling him the names of the people. Oh, yeah. Nowadays, that's how the, the system has become. So, you need to be careful. You need to be mindful of these things. All things are, you, they are permitted, but it's not everything that is profitable. If you're a pastor, you have plenty chains and things. Somebody will say it's tight money. Collection, you are chopping the people's money. You come and preach at that and finish and say, so a seed, so a seed. He's uh, going to buy another chain to add to it. So even though we are permitted to do a lot of things, we need to be circumspect and we need to be wise the way we do it. I pray that God will direct us in the area of our dressing. That we will dress well, dress modestly in ways that will reflect us as children of God. Shall we stand to our feet? We want to pray specifically into 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. We want to pray for the Spirit of the Lord to give you the ability to resist the things that are not profitable in your life. Maybe you know yourself, as I was speaking about addiction to makeup and things, maybe you know it's you. I was dialing your number, I was speaking about you. We want to pray. Look into yourself. Anything that you know is not profitable, you want to lift it up before God right now. Lift up your voice. Begin to pray in the name of Jesus. In the name.
Lift it up before God in the name of Jesus. Lift it up before God. Anything that is not profitable. Maybe it is an impulse to buy. You just buy things without thinking. You just wear anything. You are not conscious about whether it's making somebody fall. Maybe you are even addicted to makeup. You want to pray for the Spirit of God to direct you, the Spirit of God to help you. Continue to pray. Continue to pray. As I speak, maybe you even sense a tendency for alcoholism. I want to pray that Lord deliver me from this tendency. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Or maybe there's somebody in your family that is held bound by the power of alcoholism. You want to pray and release that person today. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Lift up anybody you know who is under the influence of alcohol. Under the power of alcohol. Let that power be broken in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The Son of the Living God. Pray that the Lord will open your eyes to the things that are profitable in your life. The things that will benefit you. The things that will add value to your life. That He will give you the strength to take those things that are not profitable out. To get rid of the things that are not profitable. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of the Living God. Maybe for you, you watch too many movies. Maybe you spend too much time on social media. You waste a lot of time on unnecessary things. Pray that the Lord will give you strength. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this word that has come forth. We pray in the name of Jesus that this word will be alive, will be active in our lives. I pray for anybody under the sound of my voice that is under any form of bondage. Your word says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherein Christ Jesus has made you free, and be not entangled again with the joke of bondage. Let every yoke of bondage be broken in the name of Jesus. We declare liberty. We declare freedom in the lives of your people. Freedom from addictions. Freedom from perversions. Freedom from uncleanliness. Freedom from things that do not bring glory unto God. Let every such yoke be broken today in the name of Jesus. Let everybody live here today with a new beginning. Open our eyes to God to identify the things in our lives that are not profitable. The things that do not bring glory to you. The things that hold us back in our walk with you. The things that prevent us from reaching our fullest potential where the things of God are concerned. I pray that holiness and purity shall be the order of the day in our lives in the name of Jesus. Purity will be second nature for us in the name of Jesus. The ability to withstand temptation and overcome temptation will be the order of the day in our lives in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. 
thank you for the fact that you will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can take and that our willpower is strengthened today to overcome every besetting sin in our lives we thank you lord we give you praise we give you glory in jesus most excellent name have we prayed with thanksgiving amen shall we put our hands together for the lord hallelujah i believe that that was a very powerful message i've been so blessed wherever you are you want to stretch forth your hand towards our father you want to sow a seed of prayer into his life you want to minister unto him just pray for him in the name of jesus that god will continually make him a relevant voice in our lives in this church on this land in the nation and worldwide in the name of jesus you want to pray that doors will be opened unto him in the mighty name of jesus in the name of jesus amen amen hallelujah oh you can you can take your seats in the presence of god as you take your seats you notice that there are some nice envelopes on your chair you want to pick it out dip your hand into your purse into your wallet to your bag you want to take out a very handsome beautiful offering offering and then you want to put it in the envelope even as, even as you have done that you want to lift up that envelope you want to pray over this offertory you just want to pray over it in the name of jesus it is coming forth from you as a seed you want to put before god a need that you have an expectation a desire of yours before god even as we give our offertories in the name of jesus shall we pray father in the name of jesus we thank you lord for these offerings that we bring to you we bring them before you as a sacrifice of our praise as our thanksgiving oh lord we pray that you bless these monies and their purpose in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. So the ashes will come around and then we'll, we'll put in our envelopes. Whilst, whilst we are doing that, I would like to know if anybody is here for the very first time. If you're worshipping with us for the very first time, just give us a wave from wherever you are. This is your first time of worshipping with us. We have some wonderful ladies and men. Just give us a wave. If you are if you're already waving, can you kindly be on your feet? We want to see you, we want to appreciate you with a round of applause, even as we're doing. Can you be on your feet? And even as, as you are standing, as we have seen you, you want to kindly join me here in the front. We want to get to know you a little more. So kindly, kindly come to the let's keep clapping as they come. Let's keep clapping as they come. Alright, so today we have three wonderful three wonderful people we just want to know you by your first name and then who invited you to church all right so let me start my name is alpha i was invited by dr leslie to church hi my name is annette i was invited by prosper to your church my name is Presla, and i came with him I'm Benedicta. Um, nobody invited me. <laughs> wow. It's, it's been wonderful having you three. Shall we stretch forth our hands towards them and pray for them as well? You want to release a blessing into their life because they have been here today. You want them to have a testimony in the name of Jesus that the Lord will work 
a mighty work in their lives in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for these three wonderful ladies that you brought into our midst to fellowship with us. Father, we pray that indeed you would establish them, indeed you would bless them, indeed you would cause them to increase on every side. In the name of Jesus, let a special favor, let a special blessing, let special honor mark their days. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. You can kindly take your seats after church. Kindly move to the right side and then a wonderful lady will meet you over there. Hallelujah. Amen. It's been a wonderful time. Shall we welcome our Father as he gives us the closing blessings? Hallelujah. Shall we be on our feet as we close the service? Can we have the usual song? So our fasting starts tomorrow, right? We meet here 7 to 8 p.m., okay? The fasting is not for a selected group of people, so it's for the whole church, all right? You can even invite those who are not part of the church to come and pray, amen? As for the house of God, there's no discrimination. Nobody will ask for membership card or tithe card before you enter, all right? And I believe it will, it will, it will, it will be good for you. It will establish some of the gains you've made in this period of spiritual growth. Are we having technical problems? Fullness of God in hell, blessed be.